Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. All right, it is time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Morning. Okay, they just spoke to a liberal MLA, Todd Stone, about the bureaucracy in the healthcare yeah. system. Some of these numbers that he cited this week. I was taken aback. I, really? I had no idea. That many people earning an average of $400,000 on an administrative role, a vice president. We're not talking heart surgeons here. <laughs> these are vice presidents and health authorities. This is 64 of them. Yeah, I'm not sure how many were there under the BC Liberal Watch, but I yeah, that's good. Got to got to assume they've probably grown a number. And then as contrast, Alberta nine people. Yeah, you now it's a smaller population, but not that smaller. But I, no, I was I was like you. I was like, whoa, where did that number come from? Uh, and Dix was pushing back on saying, well, the, you know, the system has expanded. We've uh, we've got a growing population. Well, we're, we're doing more I, services. We sure have more that, doctors. I'm not, not sure that requires that many vice presidents earning four hundred thousand dollars. That's a that's a lot of upper management there, man. That's a lot. Wow. Okay, let's listen to him here. So this is Todd Stone. You'll hear him here. He's going after Adrian Dix, the health minister in the legislature this week, about all these vice presidents in the health care system. Listen to this. How can this health minister justify having 64 vice presidents across the health authorities making on average $400,000 each and spending $1.3 billion more on administrative costs today than in 2017 when people like Tina can't get the health care that they deserve when they need it? Resign, minister. <laughs> okay, so not, a said, good, not a good look for the government. He says resign, minister, well, there at the end, but, you know. The resignation thing is like that's so 1980s. We haven't heard a resignation call for decades. He's not I mean, going to resign. That's just, in fact, they're making him bulletproof because uh, I don't think Evie uh, is going to. If he does make cabinet changes, and I think he will make some, I don't think he moves Adrian Nix. But nevertheless, 64 vice presidents earning this type of coin uh, is uh, pretty staggering. Yeah, that's a lot. I had to do. I did a double take when I saw it, when I first heard that. Well, you, that you know. Uh, the government is going to have to realize uh, this will be contrasted with all the other things in healthcare that are not being performed or offered. That's it. Yeah. So, sixty-four vice presidents earning four hundred thousand dollars when you can't get a family doctor. Sixty-four vice presidents earning four hundred thousand dollars when you wait sixteen hours in an ER. Sixty-four vice presidents earning four hundred thousand dollars when you can't get. Uh, a medical service. So this is another gift for the Liberals to dine out on. Well, okay, but I guess the question for Kevin Falcon is if, if he wins the next election, what does that mean? Heads are going to roll? He's going to fire all these managers? Yeah, well, that's a leg- legitimate question, but it's one he'll duck and, and not answer because the best response is just to keep the heat on the government. Okay, here's another one that I find really interesting, and that's the promise by the new mayor of Surrey and her council to put the brakes on this transition to a new local Surrey police force and mm-hmm. keep the RCMP. Mm-hmm. Now, Norm Lipinski, who is the new chief of the Surrey Police Service, speaking to Jazz Johal this week, saying, look, it's too late. You know, the train's already gone too far down the track. Have a listen to what he says here. If you look how far we've gone down the road, if you look at the money we put into this, if you look at the cost severance, mm-hmm. if you look at the labor, the the humanity part of this, um, I would say to anybody standing on the street, if you uh, ask them, I think it'd be fair to say it's too far down the road. 
Already getting listeners emailing me saying, he's just trying to protect his job. Of course he's going to say that. Yeah, uh, you know, I talked to Mike Farnworth, public safety minister, uh, about this yesterday again. He says, show me the plan. So Farnworth, (coughs) Farnworth says ultimately the arbiter here is taking a step back saying, you two sides can squabble all you want, but show me the plan. Uh, his uh, ministerial responsibility is to ensure there is adequate police services in Surrey. Yeah. Doesn't matter who performs them; there has to be adequate police services. If it's if it's RCMP, or if it's non RCMP, uh, he has to be satisfied one of them is working. And so Brenda Locke, if she wants to change this, has to present a very cohesive plan to the ministry, just uh, show in great detail how a transition or a retransition is going to work. Because and so far, is, that hasn't happened. Because this is Farnworth's call. I mean, this is not a decision of Surrey City Council. No. Farnworth is the guy who makes the decision. Farnworth has to make, as the public safety minister, yeah. has to ensure there is safe policing services in Surrey. Right, right. He doesn't necessarily care who performs <clears throat> them. So Lipinski's, the, it's down the road, but it's not completely down the road. Is, yeah. it, you know, is it halfway down the road? Is it three quarters down the road? Is there enough road to come back on? Uh, Locke has to show the ministry right. the the plan to how this would be transition. And she's going to have to do it pretty quickly because, yep. you know, t- the clock every day, is, the clock every is day it's going further down the road. Well, right. You There's know? millions of dollars being spent on this. Exactly. And uh, a lot at stake here. So it's one thing to make this a promise in a campaign speech and such and dueling sound bites for radio, but it's another thing to pre- present a cohesive, detailed plan. Okay, let's listen to Paul Danes here from the group Keep the RCMP in Surrey. You'll hear him push back against the, the Surrey police chief saying, what are you talking about? Of course we can put the brakes on this thing. Here's what he had to say to me. The SPS transition is much closer to its beginning than it is to mm. end. They haven't, by their own admission, got a snowball's chance in hell of becoming the police of jurisdiction in Surrey until at least the year 2026. Okay, so he says, you know, it's still, it's not too late. Well, that's his argument, that if that is the end date of completion of the transition, that is, you know, that's uh, four years away. So yeah. that's the argument. There is enough time to undo this thing. Okay. But again, devil in the details, uh, we can't just keep having these dueling sound bites. You need a plan. And uh, the, the, I think the pressure's on lock to present that plan yeah. sooner than later. Okay, that's going to be interesting. It is. Uh, let's talk about David Eby now, and he, he's a, he's unveiled some of his key staffers now. Yeah, right? yesterday he had a photo op. Uh, it's all about photo ops right now, um, where he presented his, uh, so his new deputy minister, Shannon Salter, um, the uh, current deputy attorney general. She's now going to be the head of the civil service. Very meteoric rise. She's only in her um, young 30s and oh. big. She's only been AG, I think, for deputy AG for 10 months. She's now head of the civil service, or she will be. Uh, Matt Smith, a veteran campaigner uh, at uh, the municipal level uh, for a number of uh, years and also with strategic uh, communications, strategic co. He's going to be the new chief of staff. So those are the two main key appointments. Also got uh, Carol James as co-chair of the transition team. So they had a little photo op in a room yesterday and and, uh, and such. Keeping a couple of deputy uh, chiefs of staff, uh, Domain and uh, Amber Heck, uh, which is probably a good move. I think a good move to have some, some continuity there. And then today at 3 o'clock, he's going to be meeting with Lieutenant Governor Janet Austin mm. as a sort of a introductory conversation. It's not the swearing in. Uh, that occurs. My uh, no date has been set. My understanding is going to be November eighth or 9th, perhaps November tenth, the second week of November. 
Um, but right now it's all about transition, getting, reading the bind, the uh, briefing materials from the ministries. I mean, these are hundreds of pages long, each each book, and he's got to go through every one of them because you've got to be conversant with everything your government's doing. Do you see this guy, when he becomes premier, going on any kind of radical new direction for government? No. I mean, the ND, this government had been doing pretty well under Horgan, bearing up pretty well on the opinion polls. Presumably he wants to keep that going. Yeah. Does that, does that sort of argue against any kind of bold new direction? Well, I think there the word radical is not going to apply here. Yeah. And, and Carol James, I talked to her yesterday. She had a scrum with the press gallery yesterday. She was pretty clear. Evie is going to do some new things, for sure, on his, his uh, chief priorities, which is uh, street crime, housing affordability, is to climate action. Uh, and uh, those, I mean, those are his key areas. And you're going to see some new policies there, no question. And he talked about his housing plan in the campaign. I mean, that's not the government plan. That's That was Evie's plan. plan. And now you're going to see that uh, turn into public policy. And you're going to see that apply to other areas. But Carol James was pretty clear yesterday. While he will put his personal stamp on the government, you're not going to see radical change. That uh, He's going to follow John Horgan's playbook here, which is to sort of keep to the center left and not go too radical. Okay, Baldry's beat. Let's go right to your phone calls here. Barbara in Kamloops. Hi, Barbara. Go ahead. Hi. Yeah, it's disgusting. I mean, it's just ballooned. <clears throat> sorry, ballooned out of all proportion. But my question is: If you got that many vice presidents, how many presidents are there? Uh, are there rather? And how much do they make? Because it must be astronomical just compared to the vice president. And another comment: I was in Royal Island Hospital this summer for an extended period. And there was all kinds of patients that spent days and days in emergency while there were beds available, but no nurses. And they've been bringing nurses yeah. in from all over Canada. So it's just crazy. Our medical system is broken. Thank you, Barbara. Yeah, Royal Inland Hospital in Canada has been a, a problem for, uh, I think it's better now, but for a period of months there, it was a real, real problem there with overcrowding and uh, Long waits for services in in the ER. In terms of presidents, I assume there's only I think there's only one president per health authority. But uh, Todd Sony had on reel off the numbers for you know tw- nine vice presidents in Northern Health. Northern <laughs> Health is a very low population base. It's the uh, smallest health authority by far. Yeah. Yet they have nine presidents, uh, nine, vice, nine president. vice presidents, earning an average of four hundred thousand dollars. I mean, it is <clears throat> kind of mind boggling. Okay, Ed in South Surrey. Hi, Ed. Go ahead. Uh, regarding the, the switch over the RCMP, I mean, yeah. he wants them to put forth a plan. I mean, McCallum put forth a plan, and he never honored it. I mean, the transition, has, in cost-wise and time-wise, he never met the commitment. So shouldn't the government be stepping in and say, hey, it's all over, boy, back to square one? Okay, well, they are behind schedule and implementing. The they transition. are, and again, this is an evolving situation. I don't know how this is going to end. I yeah. mean, Mike Farmers wants to see a plan from Brenda Locke. What that plan looks like, who knows? Maybe it's acceptable, maybe it's not. Yeah. Uh, I think I detect a real frustration and reluctance from the provincial government getting dragged into this thing. Again. They were hoping Surrey, again, would, right? again, <laughs> yeah. hoping Surrey could figure this out on their own, and, and now, no, it's almost back to square one. Yeah. James in White Rock. Hi, James. Hi, guys. Thanks for taking Hi, my call. It boggles my mind how everything the government touches turns into an absolute and utter mess all the time. It's like that's the only consistency in politics, that if the government runs it, it's going to be a nightmare. And do you know how many ambulance drivers they could hire for four hundred grand? Do you know that yeah. they just put yeah. in 300 security guards for nurses? And out of 16 managers, 
in, in this province, not one of them can come up with an original idea to fix the health care system. Why? It okay, makes thank no you. sense. Th- Thanks for the call. I mean, this is the type of contrast that is damaging for government. Like people have yeah. got a lot of people have got experience with waiting for an ambulance or waiting for in an emergency room, and then yeah. you hear about sixty-four vice presidents. Yeah, and, and, you know, in terms of the overall healthcare system, this is a the proverbial drop in the bucket when you've got a twenty-seven billion dollar healthcare system. This is not this is chump change. Nevertheless, it's a pretty good illustration for the common person out there to contrast their own potentially precarious healthcare situation yep. to the fact that you've got 16-plus people earning $400,000 in administrative roles in that system that right now is, is failing you. Rob in Chilliwack. Hi, Rob. Go ahead. Yeah, hi. Good morning, guys. Uh, when it comes to the Adrian Dick situation, all that I have to say is, quite frankly, the man should have resigned last year during the heat wave. I never heard an apology once after people died on the front doorstep with no ambulance service, he put the onus on the previous government. Never heard an apology from the man. People are dying in hallways in hospitals, folks. Why? And now we find out 64 managers making that kind of money? Let, come on, guys. This is a, the NDP. Get your facts straight. Get your ideology okay. straight. I will never okay, vote for you again. I'm sorry. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Always good to hear from Rob. Um, yeah, again, all the healthcare problems will be contrasted to this particular uh, situation. 64 people earning $400,000 when you can't get healthcare. And that's going to be a drum that's going to be beat on by the Liberals for some time now. Ravi in Surrey. Hi, Ravi. Go ahead. Hi, how are you? Good. Good. Go ahead. So, yeah, no, exactly the same point. Way too many health authorities, way too many high-level managers, whereas that exact dollars could be spent in the hospitals for the boots on the ground. So absolutely agree, but it's just not an NDP problem, right? NDP is not the one who hired all these guys. So it has to be both set of governments working together, trying to find out a solution. How can we get those doctors, nurses, healthcare workers, and trying to get this upper management, like, you know, how can we get rid of all this extra money that we're spending on these people? Okay, thank, well, you. Know, thank it's you. interesting to contrast the situation. You go back to the NDP government in the 90s. Remember, they brought in, I think they had 72 health authorities of different different levels. You had health authorities. You had these community health coalitions, community health councils. There was a huge number of health bodies in yeah. the 90s. It was dismantled by Gordon Campbell and the Liberals, I think, which was a great move. They reduced it to the five health authorities now. And the NDP's credit, for, you know, quite apart from these vice presidents, they kept the system intact because it was less bureaucracy than it was in the 90s. The 90s was out of, it was insane, out of control, in terms of how many people um, were pressing buttons on administrative levels in the 90s, and we haven't seen that in the NDP. Having said that, though, this news comes as a shock that there's this many people earning almost half a million now, dollars Now, in, in fairness to the government, they will also argue, as, as Dix did in the House this week, that actually there, when you look at relative to other provinces, the B.C. administrative costs in health care are, are okay and they're, do, and they're doing well. I mean, he cited statistics from a monitoring organization called the uh, Canadian Institute for Health Information, and he said, Kai you know, very it's, credible not, organization. it's not out of control like the Liberals are saying. Well, it... That ignores the argument that maybe it is out of control everywhere. Yeah. That just because others are, have bloated bureaucracy is no excuse for you to have a bloated bureaucracy. So I think it's just the nature of the beast.